my big brother. Hey guys, so this month is Sickle Cell Awareness Month. And for those who don't know what that is, neither did I, which is why our next guest that we have on today sat down with me and explained to us exactly what sickle cell is. You know, it's one of those things that you hear and you never quite know exactly what it is. And so I'm glad that we had a chance to catch up with this gentleman today out of LA. Um, also, just some quick updates. Uh, we have a new city guide. Uh, we have a San Francisco guide up now on the website at goodpeople.com. So definitely go and check that out. And if you like any of these episodes, guys, share it. Tell your friends. Post it on Instagram. Reshare. I'll definitely reshare it. Um, and so, yeah, this was one of our shorter podcasts, but it was it, it was extremely informative. And, you know, Bailey's a great guy, positive guy. And, yeah, sickle cell affects so many people, and it's particular to those closer to the equator, to those living in sub-Saharan Africa and different parts of the Mediterranean. So there was so much that we learned that I just had no idea about. And I was glad that, you know, we got to catch up about that. And he also talks about how he uses yoga and meditation to help him with his sickle cell and to keep his stress levels down. So yeah, it was a really, really great podcast. Again, guys, um, thanks for listening and we'll keep it short today. So definitely uh, share. All right, guys. That's when I started to see a change. Like it's like a, this is probably like 2000. This is probably like 2015, 2014, 15 yeah. is when it started to really change in that area, man. Yeah, Baldwin Hills too, man. It's like it's the same thing over there. It's kind of that's like changing too. Yeah, man. Like I I went over there because I was kind of looking to live in like more of a black area because it's it's pretty white. Like in the daytime, you see people like everyone comes here to shop. But at night, in like the grocery stores and go to like the yoga studios and shit like that, it's it's white as fuck out here. But like, but I feel like isn't WeHo? Would you describe it as a place where you think like there's a lot of hustling that goes around? Like people just come here to work. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the movie industry come here to work because we have you know CBS studios here. There's a lot of production, at least for film and writers and stuff like that. I feel like it's real congested here, getting in and out. No, it is. Like, honestly, most of the time I just walk to the grocery store. Yeah. Because it takes much longer. Like, even my yoga studios are, like, literally down the block, and it's quicker to walk than to drive because you get stuck in traffic or you won't be able to find parking. So where do you where do you go to yoga? Um, yoga Works. Yeah. It's on literally on. Oh, shit. Their classes are legit. Yeah, they are. They have really good instructors because I've tried a few places, and a lot of pe- places treat the yoga like a workout. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, they're rushing through it and not really trying to go through, like, the flow and, like, Cause I do it for like you know mental and physical, mm. you know like connect the body with the and yoga works. How long have you How long have you been doing it? I started in college actually. Oh really? Yeah, I started in college. Like I needed an extra class to fill a schedule, uh-huh. and I was like, well, I might as well do yoga. And that semester, man, I had all A's in all my classes when I was consistent. So I was like, yo. And then other people in the class mentioned, it, our professor also mentioned, it, and that's when I noticed. I'm like. This yoga shit actually works. Yeah. So then after that, I started taking like little classes here and there, and I just kind of kept it up. And I know this was yoga is great for like you know anxiety and and um and like just managing like I don't know depression and stress and all that stuff. So it's a it's a good release for me. And I'm like a kinesthetic learner, so if I do things physically, it like stays with me more. Wow. So so what kind of I know there's like a hundred different types of yoga. Which yeah. kind do you have any ones that are more preferable for you? Yeah, I like hatha. Which is basically like Hatha. Hatha. It's H A T H A. It's like they call it the sun and moon. It's like a well rounded yoga. And it's about kind of holding the poses a little bit longer. It's about almost kind of building attention and releasing. 
like Hatha or Vinyasa. Vinyasa is the one where it's like more sweaty. So you're like going through it like really, really I do quickly. remember those Vinyasa flow, two, three. Yeah, yeah those, yeah, yeah, those eight. classes. So those you, did you go to hurt. yoga works too? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah those yeah. Vinyasa. See, those, a lot of people like that because it's a workout. You be sweating when you <laughs> that's do that shit. It's just tough, man. It's hard, right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people think it's simple because you see it, like the yeah. way it's flowing, but it's it's difficult. And a lot of it for me is mental. What you is gotta this? Breathe what is through this? It. So what are these? So this this is like are these like Eastern practices? Where does where did yoga originate? And then like what was the? I wonder what the f- like first forms of yoga used to be before it broke off into like a hundred different types. Um, I think Hatha was one of the original ones. Really? And then they got West. Yeah, that's from what I read. But it started off in India, like all of them. All of it. Yeah, that's it's like Eastern. Yeah, Eastern like medicine like you know how people used to people like you know other cultures rely more on like yoga meditation jujitsu and stuff like that and then like community for fighting depression and stress and stuff like that and like african people we have the drum circle mm-hmm. it's kind of like our like our anti like you know self-expressive we're like in the western world we more focus on like drugs and you know ther- speech therapy and a lot of people more focus on the body it's a better way to release you know a lot of tension and stuff like that yeah, I I used I think the one that I liked the most was um I think it was it's called Kundalini yoga. Oh yeah, that breathing that one. Shit's good. Yeah, yeah, that one is good. Yeah, cuz you leave and you feel like you have a good release. Yeah, yeah. you you feel like drained and all your energy. Yeah. And then you mix that like you I think you said earlier about you said that you meditate as well. Yeah, um I eat nowadays I do like 10 minutes in the morning. I got the little Headspace app. Okay. So it like it Is that like the, is that Sam Harris? Is it Okay, never mind. I, I, I don't know. Who it okay, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know um, who it is, but it basically is just like a, a little app, and then like you can pick the different classes you want, mm-hmm. or they have a daily one where it's like it's like kind of like they pick a theme or whatever. But for me, it's a good way to check in with my body that day to know how I'm starting off. Like, am I anxious to begin with with the day, or am I like, you know, because if you are, it's gonna come out in your meditation. If you're tired, sure. you're gonna fall asleep in your meditation. Like, okay. Yeah, so it gives I'm you your meditation will give you what you need. Yeah, pretty much. That's how I try to start my day. Um, and then at night, I usually try to journal to, like, let go of all the anxiety and shit, you know? Damn, you're doing all the good shit, man. Yeah, I mean, like... So, so you, are you, you must be a real peaceful person, then. That's, like, those are really good practices. Yeah, when, I, when I'm consistent with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Is being The hardest thing is being consistent. And a lot of times when life gets busy, those are the first things to go, like... Oh, I, you know, I, I got to skip out of my meditation. I got to skip out of my workout. Yeah. But I actually notice the more I'm consistent with it, the more I can do more of what I want. You know. So, um, yeah, so tell us your name and then and then we'll we'll jump right into it, man, about, okay. you know, w- what we're going to talk about. Okay, cool. I'm Caleb Boaz. I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa. I was born mm-hmm. in Accra. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I've been living in um, California for the last 20 years. So... Have you? Do you go back to uh, Ghana often, or was the last time you've been back? <laughs> I haven't been back since I left. Damn. I'm, I'm actually planning on going like around my birthday. When's that? Honest. That's in March, the end of March. Okay. I originally came here in April. Okay. So okay. I thought you know to do a 20 year anniversary oh, okay, would okay. be like that would be legit. Symbolic. Right? Yeah. Right. Thought that okay. Would be symbolic. Um, and then I've been like, I've been listening, watch like you know a lot of clips and stuff on YouTube, and so many Nigerian people like Wiz Kid, Burner, 
they all talk about just how peaceful Ghana is. <laughs> like, and they're like, man, I they they got they were talking about. I was watching this clip where they were talking about Labadi Beach, which my grandma used to live there. Actually, she she's no longer nice alive. ass beach. Yeah, have you been? I just seen pictures. Of yeah, it's, uh, it's gorgeous, right? Yeah, it's dope. And I, I mean, I think my fear is if I go back, I may not want to come back because, <laughs> like, you know, that peace and serenity, like, that's hard to find, and that kind of happened to me too when I was done with college. I went traveling. And I went to like you know Medellin, Colombia, and I just it was so peaceful. I ended up Damn, staying that's for my a year. Spot. That's my city, bro. Yeah, you see, you love Medellin, dude. Medellin. The vibe so is, is yeah, it's it's on it's another level. I think after they saw all that violence, they were just like, peace. That's that's all we what, want. What years did you go? Um, I went in twenty fifteen. So twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Damn, we might have crossed cross paths because we stayed in. Uh, I went with my good buddies like mm. three different times. In damn, what year was it? I'd say like twenty six, twenty twenty sixteen to like twenty eighteen. We went like three different times. Oh we really? Yeah. For like two months too. Yeah, yeah, I mean the city does that to you, and you keep finding things to do. Did you guys stay in Pacajeras or where did you guys stay? So the first time we stayed in El Poblado. Okay, Poblado. And I then in Poblado too. yeah, that was dope, and we met a lot of cool people there. So actually, friends that we're still with to. Uh, Still with to this day, yeah. And then we stayed in um, uh, Berlin, yeah, Berlin, which, which is a little Berlin further Berlin. out. Yeah. And then I think we stayed in um, kind of like by the metro. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we stayed in Envigado another Envigado, time. Yeah. There's a lot of black people in Envigado. Yeah. That's and like what what shit, man, was just dope because we met so many people from around the world, in addition to the Colombians that we met there. Yeah. And we were just really trying to like cultivate our Spanish. And we were told that Colombian Spanish is spoken real slow, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's easy to understand and pick it up. It's super romantic. It's like Italian Spanish. Yeah. It's the clearest I mean? Spanish you can hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Without a lot of slangs and yeah, yeah. none of that bullshit. Right. Yeah. Did you pick up any Spanish out there? Dude, I speak pretty good Spanish. Yeah. How long were you out there? Um, I was out there for like about a year straight, and then I moved. I came back, and I kept – I've been going back. I was back there this last March, my boy. So, so that's I like mean, your I've spot spot, too. That's my, yeah, that's like my 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 other home, like, you know, to be honest. Be good friend. I think they're going to be lifelong friends now. Yeah, likewise. That's crazy because we have lifelong friends from Medellin, too. Yeah, Damn, we might have to plan a trip, man. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm 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 trying to go back in December. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, because December's the time to be in Colombia. I don't yeah. know if you ever went in December. No, uh yeah, I during have. Christmas, yeah. that's when it's yeah. really lit. Like, yeah. I mean, I think anywhere else in the world, is Ghana is like that too. Nigeria, man, like everybody in the world is going to Ghana this. Yeah, this. That's why I don't want to go in December because everyone in the world is gonna. Go. Yeah, my homie said that. My homie, he said that he he's not gonna go to Ghana, but he's actually gonna go to Colombia. Oh, this year instead. Yeah, instead, yeah. and so it's like going away from the crowd. Yeah, which I kind of like that too, though. I I kind of like that idea, just going somewhere else. Yeah, it's just you know we just have some business out there that we might have to take care of but or in Ghana or yeah in, in Accra with with Afrochella and Afro Nation happening out there yeah I mean that's that's the thing to capitalize on you can't miss yeah. the opportunity yeah, yeah which is understandable I think for me the I don't want to go back when everyone is back I want to go back when Ghana is like Ghana like yeah. you know what I mean so that's what I people are saying too yeah to take it in like that but it makes sense it's 400 years since the slave trade so yeah. it's the year of the return the year of the return so it's that's like right. very significant like you know if I hear so many people, like, you know, African-Americans saying that, like, they're going back, too, to check it out or whatever. So I'm really excited yeah. about that. I heard this program on, on NPR called Reveal, this podcast, and the whole uh, show was about the year to return and talking about uh, just people who would define themselves as black Americans going back. 
yeah. Africa, Ghana in particular, and finding out exactly where they're from. You know, so I think that's really dope. But yeah. um, I when we originally connected, you know, you were telling me that you wanted to share your story about you know, you know, black men, young men, young people, um, living with sickle cell, and I was like, shit. The reason why I was excited because it's like it's one of those things that you hear, like I was saying earlier, but you don't really know what it is and how it affects people. Should should we as observers take it serious, you know, mm-hmm. or ha- like how serious is it? Um, so why don't you why don't you start with, you know, talking about, you know, or starting wherever you would like to, you know, you know, talking about living with sickle cell and what it is. Yeah. Um, and kind of like how you found out you had it and you know what you did from there. Okay. Um. So I was diagnosed pretty early. I was diagnosed at one, um, and I was diagnosed in Ghana, um, with sickle cell. So, sickle cell comes. I guess let me start from the beginning. What sickle cell is? So sickle cell pretty much originated, um, as the body evolved to kind of, cause the w- it evolved from malaria. So basically, sickle cell happens in tropical regions, usually around the equator. So it's it it dis- disproportionately affects black people, but it's not a black disease like a lot of people think. People in Colombia has sickle cell. People all around the world, like Italians, whatever. Um, so the way it came out of the body tried to evolve to get rid of um, a gene, so then it wouldn't be able to c- um, contract malaria as terribly as it could. But what ended up happening if two different people didn't have those genes, came together and made it and had a kid, that kid would have sickle cell disease then what happens is that the cells now change into a sickle shape, which then makes it hard for them to travel through, like, you know, blood vessels, small blood vessels. And since the blood is throughout the body, it can cause complications anywhere from the brain, the hands, the feet, or whatever. The most common thing that people with sickle cell tend to have is acute pain, like, you know. But sickle cell is a very individual disease, meaning it affects people very differently. Some people will have, like, complications where, you know, they'll get um, osteonecrosis in their bones, where they'll need, like, you know, hip replacement or their shoulders replaced, Oof. where, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of different stuff. Some people will, will have sickle cell where they get regular pain crises every month or weekly or whatever. And some people don't even find out they have sickle cell till like, 30 because they never had any, you know, um, yeah. any reactions or anything to it, which I end up finding out recently, and it was crazy to me. I'm like, wait, what? You didn't have any crises or nothing? They're like, no. I ended up getting crises one time when I was really stressed out, and I found out I had sickle cell when I was 30. I'm like, what? That's kind of like the stories you hear about, like, the the ladies that give birth on the the toilet. Like, you were pregnant for nine months and you didn't know? Like, that's what it sounded like to me. (laughs) It's crazy. So, um, yeah, since sickle cell is a very... Um, individual disease affects people differently. And I think, for me, the biggest thing I've noticed is sickle cell, because it's a genetic disease, it it comes with a lot of guilt from the parents. The parents feel guilty because they feel like we are responsible for giving this to our kids, even though they didn't intentionally, they may not have intentionally known because they weren't tested to find out if they have genes. Then that, in turn, gets passed on as shame. And then, like, you know, it it ends up kind of changing the dynamic of how they raise their kid and stuff like that. And a lot of times, I've heard stories where sickle cell, if people have kids, they end up, it breaks up the family because the dad's like, that ain't my bad gene that did that, that's yours. Or a lot of blaming or whatever because they feel so, you know, guilty about what had happened. And then a lot- so prideful, they take, yeah, responsibility for everything you do. Yeah, yeah, with everything you do. Yeah, definitely. And and then a lot of times, the way that they react to the shame is either they become kind of too overprotective where they end up 
not letting that kid because they feel like they have to protect them not have a life, or they swing wow. yeah, or because they're just you know to to live. Is that a what you experienced? Huh? Is that you said that hasn't been my personal okay, experience, okay, but okay. that's the experience I've I've seen other people witness. have, and this is not everyone's experience, but some of the experiences, the adverse experiences, like where there's so much protective. You know, to to live a life, you have to experience things and get failures and stuff like that. But if someone's being overprotective, you kind of can't really grow. Do you yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some parents swing to the complete opposite where they don't get involved in the kid's life at all or whenever there's a crisis, they get angry because that's a reminder that, hey, I caused this. So they swing to the complete opposite where they almost either start neglecting, abusing their kid or they're just completely absent. Damn. You know, and th- those are like the extremes kind of of it. There are some parents that are more attentive get help and stuff like that and i think those situations is more like when they find a community and they're not hiding it because i think when you start hiding it you start to react to things you that are not really there but you think are there because you think people are looking at you but no one's really looking at you You know what i'm saying so yeah you're just you're spending all your energy and trying to hide something and it's not so like not all that so what what are some of the when you said you were having some problems what what are some problems that one might have with sickle cell like in terms of symptoms or reactions to things yeah um so like for instance something very simple the way a lot of people discover they have sickle cell is or like they get a, a pain crisis and it usually comes from going to like the beach or, or swimming in water that's very cold we can't do very extreme temperatures either too hot or too cold that can tend to trigger like you know um, a pain crisis and usually people will get a pain crisis from maybe swimming that's a lot of times when i was younger the way i'd get a pain crisis would be when i'd go to the pool and it wasn't heated so when you say pa- you say pain crisis you, like you were saying earlier it's like an acute pain is what you said yeah in like a certain area like your joints or something or yeah it when i was younger it tended to be my joints you okay. know so th- what happens when an acute crisis happens the small blood vessels in your body they get clogged up because the cells, are, they're sickled, so they can't really travel through there. Once they get clogged up, they start causing pain. And usually the way to treat it is you get pain medicine, um, oxygen, and, like, you know, fluids to hydrate you, to kind of, like, let the the um, the the place that's, like, blocked mm-hmm. get released. And yeah, that's how you usually get treated. But the issue with getting treated for sickle cell in America is racism comes into play. Hmm. Yes, and it's very interesting because because a lot of times the way you use pain medicine to treat sickle cell, a lot of times when black people go into the ER asking for pain medicine, they're seen as drug-seeking or that they're here to get high instead of to get w- better. Because, you know, as you can see me, if I didn't tell you I have sickle cell, you would not know. It's right. a The right. biggest thing about it is it, it's kind of an in, uh, invisible disease. So this, w- this is within the sickle cell community, like people, uh, doctors not believing them. Yeah, less likely to believe a- uh, African, African Americans. Americans. Yeah, and and a lot of times it's from people that are n- they don't know about sickle cell. It's kind of like because g- generally when doctors go to school, they get like maybe a paragraph about sickle cell. Damn, and that's it. That's it. Maybe you that's know? why we don't know much about it. That's like the th- that's the thing too, and that's why I think it's very important for there to be more awareness because the way it works is, ha- do you know if you have a, s- a sickle trait? I have no idea. Exactly. So yeah. most people don't know. And the way How that you... I find that out? You have to do... Um, it's called an electrophoresis test. Sickle trait. Yeah. Electrophoresis test. That's the test that tells you if you have a sickle cell trait. Okay. And then if you do, you want to be careful if you, you know, get with someone else that has a trait. 
and have a kid. Usually the way people find out they have the trait is when they end up having a kid. Oh. And a lot of times in the U.S., kids are tested for the sickle cell trait. But usually by the time they're old enough to um, start dating and stuff, their parents usually have forgotten about it. Like, this like, you know, 16, yeah. 18 years later. Because like it's not that overt. Like, you don't really see too many things. Like, you can't just look at somebody. And, and you tell, like, hey, yeah. this guy has sickle cell or he has cancer or whatever. It's it's kind of invisible. And that that's, I think, part of the issues that comes with sickle cell why people there's not so much awareness or whatever and the way it affects people it's also very different from person to person so it may f- affect someone differently than the other person so it's not a consistent thing and the thing someone like for instance specific pain drugs might work for one person but they may not work for another person or someone else when they're in pain crises maybe it's more about stress they need to reduce the stress so the way you deal with it is very complicated and different yeah, yeah. and the reason why I say racism comes into play is when you go to the ER, sometimes the doctors don't believe you that you're in pain crisis and that, you know, this is happening to you. So they sometimes will let you suffer more than you need to. Unless there's like a hematologist or someone who's more experienced with sickle cell is there to vouch for you. I, have, I think I've heard that with like Lyme disease too for some people. Because um, I think for Lyme disease, for a lot of people, you, you can't really see it. Mm-hmm. This person looks fine. Yeah. They're just in a lot of pain. Yeah. And you know. and and that's the thing too with emergency rooms. Emergency rooms are created to deal with like short-term problems, not really chronic diseases. So when someone like sickle cell comes in there or Lyme disease or whatever, where it's more of a chronic illness over time, they're not that the the ERs weren't designed to really deal with that, so it's more frustrating for them. So they'll tend to like admit you and then wait for a general doctor or whatever to deal with you instead of kind of getting on top of it right away and getting right. you feeling better. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Electro, it's called electrophoresis. Yeah. Is a technique commonly used in the lab to separate charged molecules like DNA according mm-hmm. to size. Gel electrophoresis. That's a, that's a, electrophoresis. Yeah. It's the kind of test you ask for that and then they'll tell you what trait you have. Yeah. And then there's many kinds of sickle cell. Um, yeah. s- there's like sickle cell SS, sickle cell SC, sickle cell beta plus, <laughs> sickle cell, um, beta zero and then there's also like other i think three other ones that are more rare yeah what kind of what kind of uh drugs do they try to give you to to treat it to mitigate it so right now um there's a a few drugs there's one called hydroxyurea which is very common a lot of people take that and it reduces the amount of crises you get and other symptoms you get another one is um called endari or l-glutamine you know l-glutamine you get from like working out mm-hmm. but it's amino acid at a higher concentration mm-hmm. and that one gives people tends to give people more consistent energy and keeps them out of the hospital you know um and then they're developing more drugs now recently so for years they didn't develop drugs hydroxyurea originally actually was a drug used for leukemia that was repurposed for sickle cell because they found out that it raised the fetal hemoglobin in the body because sickle cell has to do with the hemoglobin once the fetal hemoglobin is raised fetal hemoglobins are protected against sickling that's a that's a hemoglobin a lot of babies have, and they usually have till they're about six months old to a year, and then they start falling off. So usually people don't get sick till they're about a year because they don't have any more fetal hemoglobin. Mm. So this hydroxyurea raises that amount in your body, like okay. you know, and so it kind of protects you from getting more sick. Kind of okay. that's the way that's the mechanism that it works. But currently, there are actually more drugs being researched for sickle cell, and there's a few clinical trials and stuff coming out there. The the coolest thing too is there's a cure, 
Um, really? Yeah, there's a cure. Um, Cannabis. <laughs> C- <laughs> CBD, <laughs> yeah, that's the damn cure for that. <laughs> um, for pain, no, CBD is actually very helpful for a lot of aches and pain. I, um, I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, but that's you guys, they ha- that hasn't been suggested. So, doctor, a doctor can't suggest that to you, or nobody has advised you to, ta- or have you, or do you use that? Um, I've used CBD for just general pain or whatever, but okay. in general, doctors don't won't prescribe it you you know legal reasons i'm sure but in general b- within the community is known a lot of people use cbd or sometimes even smoking trees i mean smoking trees though is kind of uh, a dicey area because sickle cell has to do with oxygen like hemoglobin is an oh. oxygen thing so in the long run in the short term you might cure your pain but in the long run it might cause you other problems do you know what i'm saying you gotta do the edibles then yeah the edibles or cbd or whatever you gotta pop the edibles it works yeah but right now the cures that they have um is actually a bone marrow transplant and also gene therapy which is stem cell oh my so gosh that sounds hor- a bone marrow transplant yeah That's so basically invasive they d- Fuck, yeah, it really is. It's like it's a very invasive procedure. Th- that's the you said that's a cure. That's one of the cures. There's like, yeah. <laughs> so like you know how that works. You go yeah. Oh my god. That's do you, do you know about bone yeah, marrow yeah, transplant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know I know about those. Okay, so it b- a bone marrow transplant where um and then there's also one doing with gene therapy. The way the gene therapy one works is they take your own cells your own stem cells, they modify them and then they put them back inside you. And then, they ho- then hopefully your body starts recreating your own stem cells but with the corrected gene in them so you don't have the sickle gene anymore. But you can still pass on the trait to your kids if you marry someone else and have <laughs> a sickle cell baby. So That's going to have to go in, the, in Tinder profiles, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. sickle shit. cell gene yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Because how, how, how would you even – okay, when w- when's the appropriate time to ask that question? Like, do you somebody <laughs> like if you go on a date, like, yo, yeah. you got a sickle cell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to somebody you're getting serious <laughs> with, like, I mean week number five, I think I'm going to tell her about this gene that I have. That's a great question <laughs> to bring up because dating is a very hard thing in the sickle cell community because – What? Okay, sorry. Like, with ahead, people man. with sickle cell. I mean, why do you say what, though? Like, what, what about like it? Like, you said it's hard for people in the – it's hard for people in the sickle cell community to date each other? Well, that and then also dating outside. Just dating in general is difficult because mm. of the complications with living with the disease. Mm. You know, bec- a lot of times, I think it's up to the person to kind of determine when they feel comfortable to say it um, or bring it up. I think usually as early as possible. If you, as soon as it's getting serious, I think it's something important to say. There's a lot of misconception about sickle cell. Some people think it's like a contagious disease, mm. like almost like, you know, sneezing, you can get it. So people being misinformed about it, kind of goes about how they go about treating you. So it's something, it's a very, like, sensitive subject to bring up. The person has to, you know, you probably want to fill it out and make sure the person would be open to that anyways before you guys share yeah. it. Yeah. Because it, be, because, yeah, it it um it starts to matter. Sometimes it comes to into play pretty quickly. If, let's say, you start dating someone, you end up getting sick and you got to get hospitalized, right? Yeah. Then you'd either have to tell them or you'd have to hide it, which I've heard stories of people that have hit that they had sickle cell disease almost to the point about where they're about to get married or they got married and their partner did not know they had sickle cell disease. Damn. I'm like, bro, like, seriously? I've heard some crazy stories. Fuck, so this is, uh, see, this is why I'm glad that you're here talking, explain this to me because it's a big deal to, it's a big deal for people who have sickle cell to tell other people who don't have sickle cell that Mm -hmm. they have sickle cell. Like, it's a big deal to, to, like, 
why would I'm trying to figure out why it's a big deal? It's a big deal because what ends up happening is from a childhood, the reactions you get from people. For instance, when you're young and you get sick, mm. I had a girl tell me that like you know when she was in fifth grade or something like that, or she was five, she got sick, right? So she ended up being hospitalized, and the teacher told her others. Because she was gone for like a week or two or something like that. The other kids that she had a disease and that's why she was gone. So when she returned back to school, no one wanted to be her friend because they were like, you have a disease. Like, we don't want to be friends with you. Mm. So those traumatic experiences compound after a while and you start to believe that you're going to get rejected. Because you're you're coming from the mind frame of like, when I was five, this happened to me. When I was ten. And that's why I think it's so important to get in the sickle cell community and talk about these things with other people that can... I mean, it doesn't have to be a person with sickle cell, but someone who can understand what you're going through. So then it's like it eases the pain. It's like I think living with a chronic disease is something that's meant to be a shared experience. Like kind of like living while being black or whatever, you know, <laughs> it, it, it makes it less that hard is. when you can talk to other black people. Like, yo, I go through this. Like, yo, me too, man. Like, yeah. did that happen to you? It, it kind of like lessens that burden. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so no, I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, so that's, I think those little traumatic experiences over and over and over again makes people build shame and start to like sometimes build it up to be more than it is, you know, yeah. over time. And I can say that from my p- own personal experience too. I just wasn't sure how people would react. Yeah. Some people might be like, oh my God, ew, no, and like run away. Yeah. You know how sometimes people even react to us being black. You'd like, no, I never dated a black person or whatever. You're like, whoa, like, calm down. <laughs> you don't even know me. Like, you already, you know, you're already reaching conclusions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it can be, it can be almost kind of like that. So over time, I think people develop a lot of anxiety about it, and and just living with the chronic disease comes with a lot of anxiety in general. That's not just only sickle cell, like RA or anything else, because you you're never sure when your body's gonna act up, and it's not completely up to you if you're gonna that's get that's sick or not. You know, and you have to have. I'd imagine it takes a mental toll, you know. It really it beats you up. Like you have to, it either breaks you or makes you fold, right? Like it makes you stronger. Yeah. Or excuse me, yeah, it makes you stronger. It makes you fold. Yeah, yeah, basically, and uh, and I think a lot of it, it compounds. You know the way it beats. That's why a lot of it for me, it's, um, diet, exercise, and getting my mind right is very important. Like when I'm mentally, when I'm checked in, I can start being able to tell, okay, I think I'm starting to get sick. I'm I'm just more attuned with my body. You know how, like, when you meditate, you're like, okay, I can tell, like, I'm stressed out or whatever. So I can check in and take more proactive things. Like, I mean, so much in life is so meant. It's like a mental fucking game. All of it, man. You know, yeah. like, you know, LeBron, he says, like, you can be a good player, but can he lock in? If you can lock in, then you can be LeBron status. It's all, like, up here. Yep. You know, the consistency and everything. So it's a, it's a very big mental thing, I believe, like, you know, living with sickle cell. And I, and I wonder what affects, you know, our culture, right? African culture, mm-hmm. kind of the way they see chronic disease and they see um, even like, me- even like say mental illnesses and stuff like yeah. that, you know? <laughs> Wait, you're Nigerian, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so you, you know about it. Like, our cultures have a lot of superstition yeah. and a lot of miseducation. Like, you know, people sometimes will have sickle cell kids or... In Ghana, I don't I don't know how it is in Nigeria, but when people would have chronic diseases or any disabilities, they would hide the kid in the house. They wouldn't let them, like, you know, be kind of seen or be very public about it. That's how people in Ghana, like, I don't know if it's still like that. Um, used to be. In, in, um, in, in Colombia, I remember speaking to um, someone who had a, a kid that had Down syndrome. She said it used to be the same thing here, but we realized that was very mean yeah. to do that 
So a lot. So that that comes from the shame. That's shame. Why you only try to hide something that you're like ashamed of? Yeah. So and that I think compounds through throughout. You know what's really crazy? I had a friend that I met originally in college for twelve years. Both of us have sickle cell, and I found out recently when I did the um my my little interview, the CBT talk thing I posted on Instagram. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah and this that, dude hit that. me up like, "Yo, I have sickle cell so too." So when you when you we've known each other for twelve fucking years. That's. That's crazy. That's funny. So you guys, yeah. after you post, see that's Instagram. He's ni- he's Nigerian too. Damn. And I would, you know, like it's invisible disease. There was no way I could have told, mm-hmm. been able to tell, you know. So you said that it comes from sub-Saharan Africa because, uh, you said it's by the the equator okay. where there's a lot of mosquitoes there, and that's sickle cell kind of basically evolved to try to get rid of okay malaria. You being able to contract malaria, right? So that's why it's like around the equator, like. Italy, you know where the Mediterranean is? Mm-hmm. They have, yeah. So that's, damn. So that's what it's more about. But a lot of people see it as like more as a black disease. Like, no. Yeah. There's just happen uh, to be in all the tropical spots yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Earth. <laughs> that's where all the juice is anyways. So wh- what, are some, what are some resources or some places that we can go to learn more about sickle cell? And, and what are, are there any, like, sickle cell uh, meetups or movements going on in L.A. that people might want to know about? Yes, most definitely. Okay, so if you're on Instagram, one of the best pages to just get, like, one-on-one information is called Sickle Cell 101, and it's an Instagram page, and it has a lot of information. Actually, it started by a Nigerian girl called um, um, Kaz. So Sickle Cell 101? Yeah, just look it up right now. All it's right. pretty great. Um, it has a lot of wealth of, like, you know, basic information, like, at a fifth grade level, so, like, anyone can uns- understand it. She's a really, she's a really Perfect cool. For me. Yeah. Do you, s- are you on there? Yeah. So Sickle Cell 101 um, is, is, is a good one that I, I personally like a lot, and I find a lot of information about myself. So what is this like? You just, okay, so they just teach you about what it is and different aspects of it, and they tell different stories. Yeah, different stories, people. like how some people were told, like, oh, you can never be, like, a professional trainer or whatever. There's a guy in the NBA with Sickle Cell. Who? Uh, hold on. I just read that on this page this today. I was going through it. Let me find it. Please say it. Yeah, Yeah, because. And that's the thing. Like, you can't let it, like, define who you are. So if you take us through your week, do you have any painful days more than others? Or how how are your weeks? Like, on the daily, you go meditate and yoga. And I know that helps, you know, keep the stress down. And you feel that you know, throughout the rest of your body. So you don't probably have too many problems during the week, huh? You're, are you good or on, on, on when, a day the, when the weather gets bad? On a day-to-day, re- like lately, I've, I'll say I've been like very good. I don't I don't really get sick that often. I've gotten better about taking care of myself and listening to myself. Mm. It's, it's really about getting in tune with your body and starting to really listen to your body and hear what it needs um, or whatever, you know. Um, and... So for me on a day that I don't go through like a lot of pain. Sometimes I have um some pain or discomfort that just it can be random. Like you know if I if I overexert myself, I'm too stressed out. For me, a, a thing that really brings on crises that I've noticed for myself and other people is stress. Stress just affects the whole body, and once I'm stressed out, I instantly s- I stop taking care of myself. I stop listening to myself. So then it just starts compounding, and before you know. I can that's be stress, like, you know, man. Yeah, for a lot. That's literally, that's just stress. The stress, the stress is such like a catalyst to almost every disease outside of mucus. Stress is just, you know, 
the silent killer, man. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, you know, in our culture here in the U.S., we live very stressful lives. And, well, here it is. Um, so, Billy um, Garrett Jr.? He's apparently an NBA player. Oh, the NBA player? Yeah, he's an NBA player. Billy Garrett Jr., the only NBA player with sickle cell disease, is an inspiration. I'm sure that's dope. That's very dope because that's a lot dope. of times we're told we can't do anything physical. And this guy, you know, was not did not only do something sports-related, but he also made it to the NBA. That's quite an accomplishment. Wow. This is also on Sickle Cell 101, so it's also motivating to yeah. hear. I th- and I think for me the biggest motivating thing I saw and noticed was seeing other people with Sickle Cell living good lives. Yeah. You know, so here, if you're here in L.A., there's a lot of, you know, um, groups, support groups that are based around education. One that's thrown on is by a friend of mine. It's called Cayenne Wellness. And they have support groups throughout L.A., Inland Empire, Antelope Valley. Like Cayenne Wellness. Yeah, Cayenne, like the pepper. Okay, Cayenne Wellness. Okay. Yeah, Cayenne Wellness. All so right. She, they have an Instagram page, but she also, she's the one who put on, um, they're the ones that put on the education seminar that I did the CBT talk Okay, at. okay. And that's usually yearly. Um, it's in September because se- September is Sickle Cell Awareness Month. A lot of ev- sickle cell events happen like around the nation that people, you know, go to. Um, do you know? The, do you know the name of these? Um, the education yeah, seminars. No, just different. Diff- the different events around the nation that you were just okay, saying. Okay, so there's one by SCDAA. That's the National Sickle Cell Association. They have one too in. Um, then there's also the Sickle Cell Consortium. Mm. That one is they're based in Atlanta. Okay. Um, and then there's a, a lot of other meetings for other things. So far, I've only been to the education seminar, which is it, it, it travels around California. So next year, next September, it's going to be in L.A. Okay. So I, mean, I can sleep in my bed hey, and go to go. it. Yeah. And then I'm going to be good. So and then there's another page um, that's they also it's kind of like a blog it's called Sickle Cell Warriors. That's also owned by a Nigerian lady. She started it. Her okay. name is Tosin. Sickle uh, Cell Warriors. Yeah, that's a that's a huge one in the community. I think I see it right here. Yeah, man, that's I, I really appreciate you you know sharing your story and sh- and just really telling us what that is really um, yeah. what sickle cell is and I would have never known there was whole communities for it and the support yeah, right? groups l- and no honestly I I I actually learned a lot tonight about it. Um, yeah, and I personally I wouldn't have known either until like I kind of moved. Well, I first started by joining a support group in Loma Linda because I used to live in San Marino area. Okay. Once I joined a support group in Loma Linda, I moved to L.A. And then I, you know, I realized there was a support group here. And through the support group and meeting other people in Sickle Cell, I realized there's actually a big group about it. But, like, it almost kind of operates in the dark where you have to kind of know to know. You know, or people that started out going to, like, there's a sickle cell camp for kids, too, that people have been going to in L.A. for years. In L.A.? In L.A., yeah. It's called Camp Crescent Moon. Then in the Bay Area, there's another one, too. I don't remember the name of that one. But there's a lot of things where you can find support and help, which a lot of people with sickle cell end up thinking doesn't exist because they feel so isolated, you know, especially if you live in, like, a rural area or place where there's not enough, a lot of black people or whatever, like, can happen out in the Inland Empire. You, your access to health care and stuff might be less, you know. But when you connect with these groups, you start to feel, like, less alone. And, like, you know, Sickle Cell Warriors has, like, a – Facebook page that you That's can go dumb, on. I'm like, yeah, you can go on and like you know talk to other people. They have like a um a WhatsApp group, and I'm actually I'm working on starting a men's group. Okay. Um, here talk in LA. Talk about that. Talk about that. Yeah. So um, we we notice that there's a disproportionate amount of women in the support group, like where men are not <laughs> coming. <laughs> okay. And most of the sickle cell community, the people that like do the advocacy and all that stuff, is usually like 
they're women. Because mm. usually, you know, the moms end up kind of taking on most of the stuff. So men living in sickle cell, like, you know, for instance, when I, I go to the support groups, like, I'm sometimes I'm the only one there that's the dude. Yeah. So after a while, you just like, Lucky you then. And I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what you complain about, man? <laughs> so I'm um, the only but dude you know, there. So it's like, you know, we as men, like, when we get together, we, like, you know, we're more comfortable with each other and to reveal certain things sure, that we yeah, may yeah. not. Yeah. So that's that's where this idea came from, and it came from a, um, a good advocate in front of mine. Her name is Pat. And she was like, you should start a men's group. And I was like, that's a good idea. So at the education seminar that we had, we had a town hall meeting. And a lot of people had anxiety about showing up. But when they came and were on the room, they all started talking. They're like, yo, this is something we need. So this is something I'm working on. I'm, I'm hoping to get it started as soon as October or November. Okay. And so coming, coming right up. Coming, coming right now, up right now. Um, I don't have, like, specific details. But if you hit me on my um, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, like, you know, my Instagram is, like, Baleb. Um, underscore, ten underscores. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see a guy with a Ghana flag. That's me. Okay. <laughs> um, so which is B A L E B and then ten underscores, and and you could write me on there or whatever. And then once the pace, once I get it going, like you know, I'm gonna start shooting out information. I'm also working on my own, like, not um, kind of like my own community, kind of like sickle cell warriors or whatever. But it's more for everyone in the community to get together to advocate for each other. Because I think it's great that we have all these pages that, like, do a lot of education. But I think for a person to, like, really feel, like, to get over the emotional burden of sickle cell, I think you have to be an agent in your own rescue of, like, being like, okay, this is what I can do for myself. This, And I think that's, like, the next level of, like, where things are shifting to. Because people are learning about it, people are hearing about it, but once you hear about it and you have all that information, like, you want to be able to use it for yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? To just raise confidence and all that stuff. Because that's, for me, going to a support group, that's the biggest impact I've gotten from that. It's yeah. just being able to see other people, like, yo, you're, like, 65 and you have sickle cell. They told some people, like, you won't even live till 15 or 30, you know? And so when you see someone 65, yo, I can do that now. It's like kind of like seeing LeBron. Like, you're yeah. like, yeah. I could be LeBron too, you know? Yeah. So it's like, just having that community, I think, is is very is powerful. Just community in general, mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know, even think yeah. about like the Nigerian, the African community here in LA. Yes, it, it's powerful. It's powerful, man. It's growing too. Yeah, it's getting really big, especially with Afrobeats now too. It's yeah, man, more, they more have people. all these. They have. We just went to Los Globos this past weekend for GoGo. Um, I don't know what event it was. Was it was was the Pages' event? Actually, no. We went to Shaba last week, which is which is. Well, we went to both. We went to Shaba, uh-huh. which is it's out in Silver Lake, uh, which yeah. is right next to Los Globos. Um, and I think Pages was DJing. He did. He d- I think he had an yeah, event there for AfroGoGo last weekend. Yeah, he yeah. was. I think he was DJing. We did a podcast with him too. That's why I actually finally when I heard the podcast. <laughs> originally, you know, I wanted to do it, and then I got so much anxiety about it, man. Oh no, nah, like, man. Man, like I'm gonna be so vulnerable. I don't know if I want to be that vulnerable. No, nah, man. I mean, but this, but I'm honestly, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of processing this whole thing because mm-hmm. you know just learning what it is where it originated from from sub-saharan africa i didn't i didn't know that yeah and, and i mean it, everywhere around the world in the equator right like by the you equator. Know, yeah, yeah, by but the equator out of the need to fight malaria you know i i, I didn't know all that yeah and like the body evolved from yeah that. and then from there two people yeah it's right but then i i didn't know like the i didn't know the mental um you know the, the toll, li- yeah. toll that you guys go through coming up and living with it and knowing when you're going to tell 
um, <coughs> excuse me, somebody you're potentially dating or interested in, yeah. you know, and and kind of how that affects you. And then you introducing me to this whole community really me is really showing me like how it really does affect you guys and how how sharing these stories could really help other people like it helped you hearing somebody else that had sickle cell. So um, th- I thank you, man, for sharing your story. And, and I hope that, you know, this inspires someone to to keep going and um, and we'll, we'll follow what you have going on. And, and hopefully we can have you on again, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Definitely. And just I'm going to add one thing. Sickle yeah, yeah. cell disease is the biggest genetic disease, period. Period. Like and people don't yeah. even know that. Like if you start talking to people and you mention sickle cell, you find out um, I've realized almost a pattern of almost one out of four or more, one out of three peop- black people I usually speak to, though you say either I have a trait or I have a sister or I have a cousin or a brother. It's it's so there, but it only comes up when you say something. Like, I wrote this article, and all of a sudden people come out of the dark being like, yo, I got it too, or my friend has it. Or yeah. I, know. I was just like, whoa, like, and we were See, friends that's, this that's, whole time. That's your whole, f- your friend seeing your post and being like, I have that too. Yeah. It's like, it's something that's on the hush when it, when it, I guess I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but it's good to share those stories and yeah. and maybe there'll be some friends that hit me up. They're like, "Yo, I have sickle cell as well." Yeah, hopefully, man. And then, like, if they need any help or support, like, let me know. I yeah, I can introduce them to some people, plug them in, or whatever they want. You My know? G, appreciate it, bro. My big brother. And there you have it, guys. That is our podcast today. Just want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank Caleb uh, for coming through. Make sure you follow him. Uh, on the socials and make sure you like share and definitely uh listen to this down the line and share it with somebody who might have questions about sickle cell all right guys thank you see you next week